Hey, everybody. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so today we're going to be doing an episode that I don't know if it's been long awaited for you guys as listeners, but it's definitely been long awaited for me. Um, this is something that's very close to my heart. Um, I'm I struggle, one of the biggest things I struggle with is depression, and so that's what we're doing this episode on today, and I'm not excited, I mean, but I'm kind of excited a little bit to talk about it, just because it has just engulfed my life for so much of it at this point, that anyone else who's going through that, I want to... uh, I want to talk to <laughs> and see if I can give you some of the stuff I've learned. So, Lauren, what do you have to say on, on our topic today? Yeah, it's definitely something I have uh, struggled with myself throughout my life, and I feel like it has been maybe not as large of a proponent of my life as it has been for you, Um, But it's definitely been something that I have struggled with throughout my life and has definitely shaped me into the person that I am today. I think it's like a really big topic. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people may not resonate with it, but other people may really resonate with it. So I'm excited to just kind of get it out there in the world. Yeah, like I don't want to say excited because excited is literally the opposite of depression. Right. So I, that yeah. wouldn't really like fit. But um, yeah, I'm I'm ready to talk about this topic. And so the first thing that we kind of want to get into is is how and when did we realize we had depression? So if if it's something that you're going through that you didn't know you were going through and that you didn't know is a tackleable issue, um, that that maybe some of these things might spark that for you where you can say, hmm, maybe I have depression too. Um, And so, Lauren, what, when did you realize it for you? Like you said, it hasn't been something that's been your whole life, but when did it kind of start to manifest for you? Yeah, so for me, when I look back on it, it's kind of hard to define an exact moment. I have two different moments in my life that were early on I feel we're probably it. I had one in second grade, and I kind of talked a little bit about this on previous episodes throughout the podcast, about how I really struggled um, in second grade with something that had happened, and I was so frustrated that I wanted to take my life, but I'm not really sure that that was a depressive mode as much as it was a cry for help that I was not okay but not in a depressive way but I'm also just not sure because it's really hard for me to go that far back mentally and just kind Mm -hmm. of analyze it because I was so young um but truly the point at which I was able to step back from a situation and say yes I was depressed was freshman year um of high school and during that point in time I like I wasn't even upset like I can remember things happening that I wasn't necessarily the most happy about during that period of my life but looking back I just all of a sudden lost 
a will and want to live. And mm. I can remember, like, feeling the symptoms that I struggle with now, but not knowing that those symptoms were depressive. Um, I, I would say symptoms in, like, air bunnies. Like, they were depressive signs, but I didn't know it at the time. And I think finally towards the tail end of it, I looked back at it and I was like, wow, I was really depressed. Yeah. So that would probably be it for me. How about you? Yeah, I feel like freshman year of high school is a really interesting year in general. Oh, it's so I think that that we're kind of coming into a point where we're like almost adults a little bit. You're getting more freedom for sure. Yeah, but like as far as the the maturity in your mm, brain goes, yeah, like you're you're coming to a point where you actually start to kind of reflect on things more so than when you're younger and like middle school and elementary school. I think that like in general, our brains are starting to be just a little bit more sophisticated in high school. I so would agree. The, I think. What were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna say I agree. I think. Personally, this is a very helpful but annoying trait. I've always been one to analyze situations. Even I can remember doing it as young as like first grade. So I think naturally I was just predispositioned to analyze things. I don't know why that's just a personality trait of mine. But I can definitely say from a clarity standpoint... I feel like high school for me, if not eighth grade, was a very defining moment to be able to more clearly define things in my head. Yeah, and it's it's just it's like defining things, but also like bringing them full circle a little bit. Yeah, I, I, agree. I don't know. It like before I was eighth grade high school, it would be like things would happen. And I wouldn't connect any dots. Mm. But once I got into high school, like, dots started to connect, like, in um in general, not just okay. with mental health, but, like, in general. I started, like, you know, this event affected this event, and, like, that really didn't start happening until around that age. But, gotcha. um, and that's kind of the age for me, too. Like, mine, the, the farthest back that I can think that I had, like, any really recollection of of dot connecting as far as depression goes is middle school, um, probably eighth grade. I know that I was in like a multi-age class and we went to camp every year and the eighth graders would always give speeches and Mm. it kind of evolved into this thing where the eighth graders would like just reflect on their entire lives up to this point and they would come up with these speeches that were just sometimes heart-wrenching like like all of the things that they've gone through in their childhood to lead to this point and that's what mine and most of my classmates speeches ended up being like we were looking at things that happened in our home life or things that happened like in school like if we were bullied or um that led us to where we are where we were at that moment and that was the first really big reflective thing I can remember doing. Right. And I remember just, like, crying when I was telling my classmates about, like, all of the shit that I go through or had gone through. And, it, and nothing was – like, it wasn't – I wasn't 
I didn't have any crazy abusive, dangerous situations. Um, and some of my classmates actually did. And but I just remember like everyone had their time to talk about their shit and how it affected them. No matter what your shit was, nobody like outshined you if they had more shit than you. It was like everyone talked about their shit and like I had shit and it was the first time I realized I had shit. I'm sorry I just said the S word like 7,000 times in that (laughs) two sentences, but. It's okay. (laughs) So, so I kind of like had a question on here, like what was the catalyst for me to seek help and and start to manage it? Um, and, And so like, as I got older, my depression got worse. So, like, middle school is when I can remember starting to feel it. But then high school, it just got significantly worse. And it got worse every year. And then in college, it got unmanageably worse. And that's when that was the catalyst was when I was at my darkest place. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to live anymore. That's that was the catalyst. <laughs> like sure. I gotta do something. Either yeah. I gotta not live anymore, or I gotta do something differently because this isn't working. Right, I agree. I chose to do something differently. So, <laughs> um, so I guess we can kind of go into what it feels like for both of us when we're you know entering into a depressive state, um, or you know when we realize even if you know we're not entering into it because sometimes you may not even realize it that you're entering into one but what does Mm -hmm. it feel like when you finally recognize it I think that's important for us to talk about so um you can go ahead first and explain yeah so this is really hard for me to talk about because I'm in a good headspace right now um so I don't know if any of you out there are managing it and have have this But one of the things that I struggle with is talking, is trying to put myself in that mindset when I'm not in that mindset. And and that's with the, like, neuroplasticity that we've talked about in past episodes, Um, like, your your brain likes what it knows. So when when I know that I'm in a good headspace, I have a really hard time thinking about the bad headspace. But I did um, try and put that hat on as prep for this episode, and some of the things that and the other thing, too, is that, like, in the moment, I never noticed that, oh, I'm feeling all of these symptoms of depression. Wow. That just doesn't happen when I'm depressed. My brain doesn't process like that. Um, but, like, in retrospect, like, looking at it from an outside perspective, I can tell you that these are the things. So if you're in a depressive episode, you're probably not going to be able to recognize these things. Like, I really – like, my brain in that episode – doesn't recognize how it can help itself it just wants to self-destruct right and that's kind of like how it feels and one of the biggest things for me when I feel depressed is I feel completely numb and I remember I I think it might have been in middle school or high school I don't know but I just remember like being so depressed and I usually write songs or I'll sing when I'm depressed and I remember writing this song about being numb and I was just most of the time I like will either lay in my bed and stare at the ceiling and just like not move like I don't move a single tiny little muscle in my body I just completely go limp 
and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember how to move my muscles. Like I just lay there and stare, and I don't feel anything. I don't feel like I exist. I don't feel like there's any reason for me to be there. And yeah, that's that's um, that's like really intense when I'm really in that episode um is mostly numbness and then there's also like and I think that this also applied to you but tiredness I have no interest in doing anything but laying there staring at the ceiling Uh, (laughs) except for sometimes I'm focused on something that is causing the depression like that may be where my head is at is just thoughts about the thing that's making me depressed and then I just keep thinking negative thing that brings me further into this deep dark hole it's like a dark hole that I'm at the bottom of is what it feels like for me I think that's a really good explanation I relate to it heavily um feeling of almost complete numbness questioning why I exist and why I'm on this earth um feeling like there's no reason that I should be alive the, the sleep is definitely a huge one for me. I almost always feel tired or it'll be the opposite. And uh, Sophia and I were actually talking about the fact that it almost just feels like extremes one way or another. And depression is so tricky because, and I think a lot of mental health things can be really tricky due to this. It's almost feels like it's never the same each time. Like, each time always feels like it's different. Like, I'll have an extreme on one end at one point of being depressed, and then the next time I'm depressed, it's a completely different extreme. Or I'll have, like, two extremes that are the same, and then one will be switched. So, it's hard for me sometimes to see that I am depressed, Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, all day tiredness or, you know, staying awake till all hours of the night and then wanting to sleep all day. Um, you know, it it just, it can go any singular way. Lack of interest in things, um, except for focusing on the thing that's causing the depression. I think this is huge because Mm -hmm. in a lot of discussions that happen around depression and, you know, noticing the signs of depression, one of the first things that's always said is you don't want to do the things that, like, you normally take an interest in, which is true. Yeah. But I think that th- when it's vocalized, it lacks the um, verbalization of the fact that, you know, you can still be almost hyper-focused on that one thing that's causing the depression and still have energy and wantingness to give to that but like everything else in your life feels like crap Mm -hmm. so I think that that is a huge one um that we need to be a little bit more aware about and talk about a little bit more um no energy another one just you know like Sophia said wanting to lay in bed all day and stare at the ceiling um And then another one is not wanting to do things that make you feel better. I've gotten much better at this, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I definitely feel like in the beginning of going through a depression, whether that's, you know, in your teen years or it's at 50 years old, um, 
if you've never experienced depression, this one can be huge. Or even if you do experience it, I just, I know for me personally, I've experienced it several times now throughout my life and um, I've definitely gotten a lot better about it. Um, yeah, can I? Yeah, go ahead. There? Like not wanting to do things that make you feel better is kind of like the the thing that, de- like the reason that depression is so like the reason that it exists is mm-hmm. because it like puts you in this mindset of like well there's no point I'm just gonna feel like this anyway like I there's right. I there's not I don't want to do anything because I have no energy and I'm tired mm-hmm. and like if I do anything well there's no point because whatever it is that I'm depressed about and focused on is just so intense that no matter what I do it's not gonna help it's not gonna make me feel better and I don't want to do it right um And then sometimes you do things that actually, like, contribute to making you even more depressed because you're in, like, a, well, fuck it mode. You're, like, like for for me, I know if I don't eat, I'm going to get more depressed Mm -hmm. because then I'm going to be like, wow, I'm not treating my body well. And when I'm depressed, I'm like, nah, I don't need food. I'm just going to lay in bed and not eat anything all day. I and it's agree. just <laughs> yeah, yeah I definitely get into good. that effort mindset as well um and I, I think that's a very common thing for people to experience having a not good enough attitude towards yourself and loving yourself this one is super easy to slip into you know it kind of mm-hmm. ties back to why am I even here like why am I even why should I stay living um it can be really easy to slip into not feeling the best about yourself and questioning yourself and, you know, just talking down or feeling negatively towards yourself. And mm-hmm. that is a huge one, um, which, I mean, I could talk all day about it, but I think that that's a big identifier. We already touched on this. Wake slash sleep patterns are off. Um, And then the thinking in extreme, Sophia, like you just said, you know, I literally don't want to eat. Like, food is a huge one, I think, for a lot of people when they're depressed. And it can go either way. It can go all the way to, you know, I just don't care to eat. Um, Or it can go to you're just eating everything in sight. And I've definitely experienced both of those. And it's so weird to have experienced both of those because I've been in the fuck it, like, just not eating. I'm so upset. Like, I'm so just down in the trenches that food, food doesn't even I taste can't good. even fathom eating. But then... Or, like, having the energy to make something. Oh, 100%. And then the other portion is, like, food is such a comfort that it's the only thing that I feel like is getting me through the day is just eating because it feels comforting. So mm-hmm. it's been either way. I think that kind of like leads into the next part of what we wanted to talk about, which is like, what do you do when you're mm-hmm. feeling like that? Because you don't want to do anything. Like you right. you feel sometimes that you can't do anything. So, so what do you even do to remove yourself from that situation or like help yourself – deal with it um and one of the big things for me that I'll just touch on and then let you talk and then maybe we'll come back to me is that since I feel completely numb 
I need to find a coping mechanism or I have, I do have a coping mechanism, but you as a listener may, may want to find a coping mechanism that makes you feel something other than pain. So mm-hmm. with food being a comfort, like if you want to eat something that makes you feel good, if it's like tied to feeling good, then do that because it like brings you out of the numbness, which is like help very helpful it's kind of like the switch that'll Mm -hmm. start to help you out of that situation Mm -hmm. for me it's listening to music sometimes listening to music makes and I when I'm depressed it makes me feel worse Mm -hmm. um but it makes me feel something (laughs) so like sometimes it makes me feel better but sometimes it just makes me feel whether it's better worse or just like kind of a static it makes me feel which is that like I said like kind of the switch from getting out of that numbness where nothing matters and nothing like you can't do anything right I agree and I think that's a really great point um just even feeling something so I think you have a really a lot of great points I'm, I'm looking at your notes here that you wrote for this episode and You know, I really think it depends because every single person on the face of this planet is in a different phase with dealing with depression. So I'm going to kind of go from a standpoint, two different standpoints when talking about this is like, what do you do about it? I'm going to talk about it from the point of you've never experienced depression before and then also having been through depression and which is kind of more where I'm at and how to deal with it from that perspective. But I've also been in the point of never having dealt with it before either and what do you do? So I think the first step, which can take a while for either um, position that you're in, is noticing patterns. Noticing what you're feeling, noticing what you're doing. Um, you know, if once, once you're finally to that place where you're like, hmm, yeah, I don't really feel like myself or something's wrong. Just kind of taking a step back and mentally taking note or even w- better yet, physically writing it down, the different things that you're going through. And then from there, trying to work out a plan. Now, I will say, I think the best step if you're first going through this is to do that and then seek help of some sort, whether that's a family member, a friend, or if you don't have either of those, seeking out a therapist of some kind. Um, You know, I know that can be really scary and you're probably asking yourself the question of like, how can I trust a therapist if I don't even know them? And that's definitely one of the things that I kind of went through, you know, if you're not in a place where therapy has been widely discussed it can be very uh hard and just scary going that route but I promise you a they have to keep anything that you say a secret unless they do feel like you are a hundred percent going to harm yourself or others um but b they're you know they're all generally trained to deal with these kind of things especially depression and anxiety are some of the main things that a lot of people deal with so i would say go see a professional or somebody who can get you that sort of help now on the flip side of you know if you're someone who has experienced depression before i kind of go about it two different ways i give myself um boundaries good word to use here so I've kind of come to a point where I have done so much therapy on 
you know, depression, anxiety, and all that, that I feel like I have enough tools at this point to deal with my depression in different episodes and ways. Um, I feel like I have tools to help kind of pull myself out of it. But if I ever get to the point where I'm questioning my life or, you know, if I'm putting myself in harm's way or other people, that is when I immediately go and seek help. And, you know, I think it's really important to have boundaries there because, you know, I feel like it's quite easy if you have sought therapy before for it. Um, You can feel like you may be able to handle it on your own. And I'm telling you right now, as somebody who's gone through like 15 years worth of therapy, I think that you can to an extent, um, you know, help yourself through it if you do have tools. But I also think that there are boundaries, like I said earlier, where you have to draw the line and you need to seek professional help because you're going, you potentially are going through something brand new that you've never had to deal with before. And if you've never had to deal with it before, then you don't have the right tools to be able to effectively handle it potentially this time around. So even though it's depression as an essence, it might be for a different circumstance that you may need new tools for or different tools. So that is my... Can I tag on to that? Yeah, of course. I was just going to say that's pretty much it for what I have to say. Okay. So I know that a lot of people think that therapy, that they don't need it or that it's like that there's a stigma to it. Um, and I think we're going to do a whole episode on therapy in any way. Yeah, but definitely. I had kind of a, a conversation with someone recently who was going through a depressive episode mm-hmm. and they kept telling me and I've been urging this person to go to therapy and and they were telling me in this instance that they were very overwhelmed and I was like I don't like I'm giving you all the tools they have accessible to me but I'm not a trained professional and I don't know how else to assist you in this situation and like I think you should see someone professionally about it mm-hmm. and this person was just like, it's just so overwhelming. And like, even the steps, like even the steps to getting a professional to help me is overwhelming. And I'm like, but like, just like, think about that logically. If it's so very overwhelming, then why not have someone else to help you with that overwhelming thing? Like have like where they can share this burden with you instead of having to do it and solve it all on your own. Like why would you take that on when it feels completely overwhelming? Like that's what depression feels like. It just overwhelms you to the point where you go numb and like want to stop existing kind of. So share your burden. I completely agree with you because I've been in situations as well where somebody is coming to me with the fact of, like, they're really struggling with mental health. And there are boundaries that you have to put into place. Like, you know, you can help somebody as much as you can with the tools that you have. But, number one, it's severely unhealthy to be someone's therapist of that's, like, close to you. And mm-hmm. number two, you need to put into place, you know that I can give you all the tools that I have. Like, you know, I can even look up some therapists 
for you and give you the names of some people, but they have to do those steps. Like you cannot do it for them. And if you ever are doing it for somebody, then like they're not actually doing the work to heal and they they just I think they it's, probably won't get better. They pro- exactly. I don't want to say they'll never heal because, you know, there probably are some circumstances where that's happened. But the chances of truly healing when you're just doing all these steps for them versus them doing the steps for themselves are completely different. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think if somebody is truly depressed to the point where they can't even reach out to somebody, then sure. Like, you know, giving them a list of five people who they could reach out to, fine. Um... But they need to reach out then. They need to get that help. Like, you can only do so much work before it becomes, you know, you doing the work, not them. So Right. And if, and if it's you that doesn't, that isn't getting the help, if it's you that you're listening and you're the person who is like, yeah, I, I don't want to see a therapist because I can handle it all on my own. Like, think about, are you happy more than you're not happy? Like, is the depression more uh, taking over more than your happiness? Like, is it 50 50? Because even if it's 50 50, it still shouldn't be 50 50. It should be more like 80 20. But, but if the depression is more or equal to the amount that you're happy, then share your burden. Because, not that you can't do it yourself. Maybe you can, but how long is it going to take? Like, why wait how for however long it's going to take you to get there on your own when you could share your burden with someone who might be able to get you to a place where you're 80-20 quicker? Right. Depression isn't something that's a cure-all the first time that you go through it, you know? If that is you, fantastic. Like, I, I'm so happy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but depression, generally it's something that sticks with right, you. And generally it's something that sticks with you. And depression is a chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, you know, and that's not something that is always normally 100% fixed. Even if, you know, even if you go on meds, like the, the chemical composition in your body changes throughout life. So the meds help you manage it. And that's the same thing it, that therapy does is it helps right. you manage it. it. Helps it's never going to be erased. Right. It helps you manage it. And where I was kind of going with that is, you know, even if you're on medications, it doesn't mean that you can never get depressed again. Mm-hmm. As an adult, um, I feel like I have, you know, definitely I still deal with it. It definitely still creeps into my life. But I have a lot easier time managing it now that I have gone through it. Um, And I'm able to kind of recognize a little bit easier or faster when I'm going through it, A. But B, I also know my triggers a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with, like, managing it, once you have flipped that switch of, like, starting to get the help, if you haven't, um, like, managing the everyday, because, like we were saying, it doesn't just disappear. It still comes up. It creeps in. Um, that it really is the whole point of this podcast that showing that um, or reminding ourselves that we do struggle with these things every day. It's not just when we're completely broken. And so recognizing like everything that you said just is very, very relevant to me as well. And something that I do to help myself um, not fall into it as much. Like I'm the way that I can describe it in like a picture format is the way that I used to feel before I had any tools was like I would fall into a hole that didn't have a bottom and there was just like no hope of climbing out and then eventually somehow like it was a wormhole and I would just like end up on the other side of it and then I would fall back in relatively soon after and now it's kind of like a ditch and I go in and then I can just climb back out pretty easily And the way that I do that is by keeping myself, like, practicing my tools basically every day. So when I notice that I'm saying negative thoughts, I challenge those things immediately rather than letting them pile up and pile up, which eventually will just create a a mindset shift that ends up with me in a big hole that doesn't have a bottom. Um, So if I tackle those thoughts right away and say, "Mm, yeah, not so kind, let's think about that in a different way right away and don't let them pile up, then I end up having a really small ditch. And like the other big thing like that I do, I have people that I can talk to when I'm depressed, but I found that it doesn't really help me that much. Um, So my coping mechanisms are, I mean, letting the people in my life know I'm going through something so that they don't think I'm avoiding them. But mostly I just let it pass like I'm like okay this is how I'm feeling right now and then I just let myself feel that way for however long it is and then I just let it pass and usually it involves me sleeping a little more than I usually do or watching tv instead of doing something like quote-unquote productive I mean literally doing anything is productive really but I would lay in bed and, and watch tv all day if that's what I need then that's what I do so um I found my coping mechanisms, the things that that I can do when I feel like doing nothing, which is usually sleeping and watching a movie or watching TV, um, sometimes cleaning, and then I just like wait for it to pass, basically. So,
Yeah. So um, that kind of wraps up everything we were going to talk about on this topic. Um, If there's more on this topic that you want us to elaborate on, feel free to let us know. But uh, I hope that some of these things will help you get a handle on managing your depression. Mm -hmm. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.